This is it right here. Getting so ready. The snap is good. The whole block! Oh! The kick is good! Oh! The Mountaineers are going to try to take it's it back. Yes, to the big house! Yes, the big house! 20, 15, oh! The Mountaineers have just beaten the Michigan Rockets! Andrew Dowdy, Chase Kitty, this week on the High Motor Podcast. Chase, I was thinking a few months ago when I wanted to do an episode that was entirely like 1980s super exaggerated game show, and you just said no. Yeah, that was a dumb idea. You tell me I have dumb ideas all the time, and I just I just felt like that was the moment for me to tell you that was a dumb idea. I still think it could work, and every time we hop on here, I think about how it could work. I'll line up 10 people right now that'll tell you that's a dumb idea. So we're going to get way ahead of ourselves this week by asking which third-tier, fourth-tier, fifth-tier teams could be in the playoff conversation come early November. This is a discussion that you and I typically have, you know, early October where we're kind of ahead of the curve looking at a team that's 4-0, 5-0, 5-1, 6-0 in that range and saying, you know, they don't really play anyone. They haven't played anyone thus far. Not necessarily they haven't played anybody. Maybe they have a marquee win thus far and they're 5-0. But looking ahead to the next three, four, five, six weeks, they don't really play anybody where we see that auto loss there. And we could be sitting here saying there could be 10 and 0. When you look at the first playoff rankings, second playoff rankings, 10 and 0, those are some really winnable games. Are they really a top four caliber team? No, probably not in almost most cases. But again, looking at those next four to five weeks, it's really easy to see them entering the, the real playoff conversation because remember those first playoff rankings come out pretty early. We, we, it was uh, week ten last year, that first week of November. After depends on your bye week after eight or nine games for teams, and we have playoff debates all year. But last year you get rankings for four weeks before the final regular uh, before the final week of the regular season. Like looking at last year, Minnesota number eight in the week eleven rankings. Also number 8 in the Week 13 rankings before the Wisconsin loss. And yes, Minnesota obviously fell way behind the playoff discussion ultimately, but they were right there. I mean, Minnesota was part of the real playoff conversation last year after starting the season well outside the top 25 for most people. Yeah, and just to jump in there for a second, that was something that you and I talked about on this podcast really early in the year. It was like Week 5, and we were going, hey, where's the loss for Minnesota? They're going to be 9-0. and Again, it's not even about... I liked Minnesota a lot coming into the season, though those first few weeks were weird. And it's not even necessarily about, hey, we really like Tyler Johnson. We really like Tanner Morgan. We really like Rashad Bateman. We really like Antoine Winfield Jr. It's not even necessarily about that. It's more of a, do you guys, are you are we all looking at this right here? I mean, they don't, they don't play anybody. Like, they get Maryland and Rutgers and all these teams. They don't play anybody. Why are we not talking about this more? Kentucky. I mean, go back to Kentucky 2018. They were number nine in the week nine rankings before that big Georgia loss. They weren't a preseason top 25 team. There might have been higher expectations than usual for Mark Stoops. Washington State that year, too. I mean, Washington State was number eight in three straight rankings that year. That was a little bit different because they had that early loss. And looking at that schedule ahead, I remember their chances were so small to begin with. But still, right there, number eight, three straight rankings late in the season. And again, to be clear what we're talking about here, Teams that are not in the playoff conversation at all, at all in the preseason. I mean, we're not sitting here saying 
well, if Wisconsin can win this game and that one, they're going to be right there come week 10. We're not talking about, well, if Texas A&M can get over this hump, if Kellen Mond can take the next step. We're not even doing that at all. We're going way, way farther down the list. And as we've said with this conversation in the past, it's not even calling these teams real playoff contenders. That can be the case in in some instances. If you wanted to hop on here in, in early October last year and say you really believe that Minnesota was a true playoff contender, sure. I don't know if there would even be a real argument against that, but we're saying that these teams with that schedule, they could be right there in that discussion come early November. And Chase, I think that this year four teams fit this perfectly, and then there's a fifth one that fits it pretty well with a major, major caveat. Really curious if you identified the same teams as me. Which team do you think fits this mold the most for you right now? Because there's a couple of different ways to talk about it, but if we're going what you just described, Probably not in the playoff contention, but where is the loss? I'm going to go way off the board here. I'm going to go to a team that's established, that brings a lot back, that has a winning quarterback, like 24-4 and record as a quarterback, but they're not a Power 5 team. And it's Cincinnati. Okay, If you look at their schedule, there is not a loss in the first two months of their schedule. They're going to be undefeated in November. Write it down now. They're not taking a loss. Doesn't mean they're going to be in the playoff. Probably not. But they're going to be that G5 team this year that everybody goes, you know, if the pieces fall the right way and they keep winning, like, can it happen? Answer, no, it can't. But they're going to be kind of there making things interesting. Yeah, and I just had Stephen Lassen of Athlon Sports on the show uh, last Thursday, and we were talking about which which P or excuse me, which G5 teams have the best chance to go undefeated, specifically talking UCF, Cincinnati, and Boise State, and his argument, which I I totally see. I, For the record, I think it is Cincinnati with the best chance of going defeated. His argument there is that he thinks the American is just a darn good conference, especially at the top, that they might just beat up on each other. But like you said, I mean, you don't really have anything there. Like, literally nothing. Austin P. Western Michigan, at Miami of Ohio, and then at Nebraska – even though we shit on Nebraska a lot, that's still like a decent test for them. But Cincinnati is a better team. They're a better team right now. They'll be a better team going into that game. I don't know if they'll be favored. Do you think they'll be favored for that game? I would think so, but I don't know. Uh, I, I think it depends on what the conversation is about Nebraska going into the season. Uh, if people have kind of come over to our side of the argument where Nebraska is more of a punchline than anything else, then yeah, I do think they could be like a short two-point road favorite, something like that. Yeah, because not everybody's going to be on Cincinnati. Like I said, they open with up, up with Austin P, Western Michigan, and Miami, Ohio. I mean, they don't have some sort of marquee P5 game. Like UCF plays North Carolina. If Cincinnati were to play North Carolina and beat them in week one, since everybody's so high on North Carolina... That would get some attention, but it's not like Cincinnati's going to be going into the Nebraska game. Yeah, I think you nailed it. They're not going to be going into the Nebraska game. Everybody talking about Cincinnati. They'll be in the top 25 for sure. They'll be 3-0. and But after Nebraska, you get a transitioning USF program. Tulsa at SMU, sure. Memphis and Houston. So at SMU and Memphis will be challenging, but again, I'm not sure if those rankings will be out before that Memphis game or after the Memphis game. Probably after it. I would guess it'd be the first week of November, the first playoff rankings. But absolutely. Again, I don't think that there's any chance that Cincinnati will be in the playoff, but they'll absolutely be in the playoff conversation. I didn't have any G5 teams in here. Um, I have four P5 teams, and then I could set a fifth one with a significant caveat. How about Arizona State? Okay. 
I've got them written down. Yep. Yeah, expectations were like zero for Herm Edwards. I mean, everybody ripped that higher. Nobody thought it was going to work. Is it working yet? I don't know. I think he's exceeded expectations. He's exceeded all of those, and now suddenly we're looking at a division with Utah losing everyone and then really a bunch of crap or mediocrity, and then you have USC, depending on what you think of USC. And I I love this one because I love what they have to start. Northern Arizona, UNLV, BYU. And then I love where that, that USC game sits because they're going to be going into that USC game 3-0. and Again, Northern Arizona, UNLV, and BYU. They're going to be going into that game 3-0. and I would love it to be in Tempe, especially for this for this case. But they'll be 3-0 going into that game. So though, if they were to go to USC and win, now they have that marquee game where we're all paying attention. And yes, kind of same like Nebraska-Cincinnati, more of the conversation will be on USC if they were to lose that game as opposed to Arizona State if they were to win that game, even though it's the same outcome. But I love where it sits. And then after that, there's nothing really, yeah, you go up to Pullman, that's always going to be tough, depending on you know what you think of a transitioning program with Nick Rolovich, but then you really have nothing notable until going to Oregon in mid-November. So you're looking at this and saying, well, if they can beat USC, which I don't think is completely out of the question, USC will be more talented in that game, but if they can beat USC, now all of a sudden you're 4-0, you're probably a top-20 team, and then you have really nothing for the next four or five weeks. You could, be, if you beat USC, Arizona State is probably in the top ten in the first playoff rankings. Okay, well, I, I I had Arizona State written down as well, but I think if you want to choose a Pac-12 team, I would rather roll with Cal. I think when you look at what they bring back on a team that was already pretty good last year, they bring back more offensive production than any other FBS team. Period. Full stop. So that's a that's a great stat. And then you look at their you look at their schedule. And it's really nothing crazy. They they get TCU at home, which is a good enough game to sort of turn some heads and make people pay attention to them, but not some challenge that they can't rise to. And again, it's in Berkeley, so they've got that going for them. They get Utah early on, and Utah loses a ton. That's a game that I think, it's a win, I think, that looks better on paper than it actually is. I mean, their schedule isn't all that tough until you start getting into the latter part of the schedule. And I think it's pretty reasonable that they could be 6-0 and going into that Oregon game on October 17th. The reason I didn't take Cal is because I don't like how it stacks up. And even though Utah is transitioning, that's still going to be a challenging game for them. And what you have there is, I was going to say, four kind of challenging games. But then, honestly, if you're higher on Oregon State with what Jonathan Smith has done in just two years, you have Utah, Washington State, USC. Those are both back-to-back row games. And then Oregon and at at or um, at Oregon State. That's why I didn't put them in there because it it, it doesn't feel like they're going to navigate that unscathed. If you were to swap out a couple of those, sure, it's not like um, what I just said with Arizona State, where you get USC and then really nothing until Oregon. I don't like the back to back road trips. I don't like getting Oregon that early October seventeenth. So what is that like week week eight or nine? I don't like them getting getting them that early. And I think because of that they're probably going to drop a couple of those games and they won't be in the playoff conversation. I'm surprised that you took them. I could see them being 6-0, and going into the Oregon game, winning, and then going to Corvallis and losing. I think I, I kind of, that's what I imagine happening as of right now, obviously many, many weeks out. I mentioned North Carolina getting so much preseason love, and I'm really curious your take on this being nearby here. 
I see the North Carolina love is definitely there, but because of that love, it feels like Virginia Tech is just sitting there. It seems like they might have figured out quarterback. They might have finally figured out something on offense late last season. You get Penn State at home in Week 2, and then it's Middle Tennessee, North Alabama, and Georgia Tech before the trip to North Carolina. It kind of feels like what Arizona State has, minus the obviously they have a tougher game with Penn State at home early. Penn State will be heavily favored in that game, but getting that game in Blacksburg, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that Virginia Tech has a great shot in that game. And then again, really nothing until you get a trip to North Carolina and in a very, very mediocre ACC that I don't see being much better than it was last year. I think Virginia Tech, I like Virginia Tech on the field, and they honestly might be kind of on the higher end of what we're talking about, teams that are way off of the radar here. They might be on the higher end of that, but I'm I'm still going to use them here because I like how the schedule sets up. What do you think of that? I have Virginia Tech really high on my list here. Uh, they they Top 10 in terms of returning production. You mentioned the Penn State game. I think it's totally winnable for them. Uh, so if they if they have that going on, I don't see them losing until they go to Louisville. I really don't. I, I don't I don't buy into as much as the North Carolina hype as maybe some other people have. I think that's a game Tech goes on the road and wins. Nobody in this schedule scares me. It's a whole lot of middle-of-the-pack ACC stuff. Boston College, Georgia Tech. like Just none of those teams really worry me. And if Virginia Tech can can look like they did the latter half of last season, then I think then the coastal is kind of theirs to take over again because I think you're going to see UVA take a pretty big step back this year. I think they could get back into the ACC championship game. I think for a team that it seems like the, the consensus is nationally that Virginia Tech should be ranked like in that 20 to, to 30-ish range, kind of in that pod there. It seems unique for a team to be ranked that low and you don't have an auto loss on the schedule here. Penn State will be favored in that game. I don't I don't know if it's going to be 4 points or 7 points or whatever it is. I can't imagine it's going to be huge, but that's not an auto loss. And then you look down the schedule like you said, not only is there not an auto loss, if you win that Penn State game, I mean, are you favored at North Carolina? I don't know, but it's probably going to be pretty darn close and then the rest of it, Boston College, Louisville at Pittsburgh and then the playoff rankings come out. Even if you, I don't want to play this game that much, but even if you drop the Penn State game by a few points or drop the North Carolina game by a few points, that's a little bit different because the divisions are making it the conference championship game. But even a one-loss Virginia Tech team, I still feel like the schedule sets up really nicely depending on how much you like the Coastal. And I cannot imagine that you like the rest of the Coastal more than I do and more than anybody else does. But I think it's extremely rare for a team to be ranked, again, between like 20 25 to 30 to not have really that auto loss on the schedule you're not staring up at Clemson on that schedule you're not in the Big Ten staring up at a trip to Columbus you're not staring up at a trip to Eugene something like that Virginia Tech just doesn't have that on their schedule this year uh speaking of staring up the Big Ten can I give you maybe a little bit of a shocker here I think I have it I kind of like Indiana this year Love Indiana this Love year. Love Indiana. I'm all that's about the it. Team, that's the team that I said, I don't think they're they're one of the four that I said fit it perfectly because they open at Wisconsin. Right. That is such a massive, massive caveat that I initially had them off the list, but you cannot ignore. I mean, this is, let's just lob that Wisconsin game off, which is stupid because let's be honest, they're probably losing that game, but the rest of the schedule after that, I mean, it's like Minnesota's last year where where who who do they play? I mean, who are even if you don't love Indiana as like an eight or a nine win team, who is Indiana losing to after that Wisconsin game? 
Nobody. It's Western Kentucky, Ball State, UConn, Maryland, Rutgers, and then they get Michigan State and Penn State at home back-to-back weeks. Now, I think straight up they're better than Michigan State this year. Penn State... I think most people's gut will be, okay, well, you know, come on, Penn State's probably the better team there. But Indiana played them within a touchdown last year. That was in Happy Valley. And Penn State was probably better last year than they're going to be this year, I think, in my opinion. So I, I don't know that they, I mean, they could seriously be undefeated going into a game with Ohio State on November 7th, because I don't think the Wisconsin game is an auto loss. I think they can win that game. So I, I'm, I'm looking at this from a football perspective, but I'm also looking at it from a handicapping perspective. You look at all the stuff they bring back, you look at their returning production, you look at the quarterback situation, and then you look at their win total, and it's like seven and a half. I mean, they're going over that. They, they were 8-4 and four last year in the regular season, and they bring back a ton of stuff. All they have to do is hold serve, and you hit the over. I mean, that's a nice bet. Yeah, and I don't mean it to sound like it's an auto loss at Wisconsin. Straight up, I'm taking Wisconsin 100 times out of 100 times in that game, but we've seen Wisconsin in the past. Yes, they, they usually dominate at Camp Randall. They've been historically great, one of the best teams in college football at home over the last, God, what, almost three decades now. But still, Wisconsin does weird things at home. Like, they struggle with Georgia State at home. They just do these things. Uh, going back to what you said about Indiana, 7.5. I know you don't take that many uh, over-under bets on season win totals. Is this something that you are going to take? Uh, yeah. I, I I mean, I didn't know any of this till today when I was researching for this podcast. And then I saw that, and I immediately started figuring out, okay, what am I going to lay on this? Because Would that's... you even take the 8 on that? Because I have a hard time seeing how they don't get to 8 games. The problem with taking it at eight, and, and I did think about it, but the problem with taking it at eight is now you are way more likely to hit that draw. Uh, and, and there's really no upside for you to do that other than a better payout. And it's not like Indiana is seven and a half over under and the over is, you know, juiced to 275 or something. I mean, it's juiced a little bit. You're, you're north of 150, but I would rather take the, absolute sure thing at a lower payout than the pretty decent risk of pushing on the eight and not getting any sort of payout. When you look at the losses they could have, we talked about the Wisconsin game. They could very easily go Wisconsin's way. Obviously, the trip to Columbus is probably an L. They got to go to Michigan. And then we talked about the Penn State game. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they went 0-4 in those four games. That that wouldn't be shocking to me. So I want the 7.5 number. I think 8 is a lock, and I would rather take a lock at a bad cost than maybe a little bit riskier play where I'm kind of in danger of taking the push. And that's also after we kind of just kissed Indiana's ass here. That's also assuming that they win the games they're supposed to win, which Correct. historically, I mean, even last year, they went, right, yeah, they went to Michigan State and lost that game against a really, really bad Michigan State team. They got slaughtered by Michigan. They got slaughtered by Ohio State, however much you want to put into that. But historically, Indiana is not a team that you want to just rely on. And I get that this is a different Indiana program than it was five years ago, than it was 10 years ago, than it was 15 years ago. So I don't want to put too much stock into that. But again, that's assuming that they're going to win the, if you even want to call them 50-50 games. That's assuming they're going to beat Purdue, whatever you think of Purdue, at home. That's assuming that, that they're going to beat Maryland at home. That's assuming all of those things just to get to eight wins. But yeah, I absolutely love that. I want to go to the Big 12 here because I think that there's 
a couple that are really interesting in Kansas State and West Virginia because of where they match up early in the season. I don't even like Kansas State that much this season. I mean, at least compared to past years because generally over the last 10 years, I consistently put them higher than most people do. I'm doing my rankings right now, and they're in that pod that's just outside of the top 25. Uh, Haven't settled yet, but they're in that 30 to 35 range. They get Buffalo at home, North Dakota, not North Dakota State. They get Buffalo and then North Dakota, Vanderbilt, and then West Virginia. Again, who's my other team on this list? Because they get Florida State in Atlanta, Eastern Kentucky, Maryland, K-State, Texas Tech, TCU, and then at Texas. Where is the loss? And you can speak to this more than I can about West Virginia. Where is the loss on that schedule? I don't see it. I I like what, what Mike Norvell not including what he said last week, is doing at Florida State. But Florida State's not going to be dramatically better this year. They'll be better on the offensive line. They'll be better overall, but they're not going to be dramatically better. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that on a neutral field, West Virginia is a better team right now. So where is the loss there? And it's almost like I'm hedging here. And if you believe it is Kansas State, then for Kansas State, where's the loss for them? I like both of these teams, not both of them, obviously, but one of these teams to be in that conversation come early November. Uh, I, I'm going to go with another Big 12 team, but let's put that aside for a second. We can come back to that later. I'll start with the West Virginia stuff just because, obviously, it's kind of in my wheelhouse. I don't know what to do with the Florida State game yet. I really don't. Uh, obviously, West Virginia historically is a good program. The last you know, five to six years, they've probably been better than Florida State, You know, really since the Jameis run. But, I mean, they just weren't very good last year. They didn't do a lot of things well, and I don't know how much faith to put in Neil Brown in terms of the improvement of this program from year one to year two. I like what he's doing. You and I have talked off the air that, that we you really like long-term Neil Brown. Correct? Yeah. Long-term we like Neil Brown. I just don't know what it's going to look like in week one of year two. So I'm not at all convinced that the Florida state game is a win. Um, I mean, hell man, at, at Maryland at this point, I don't know what to do with that game because I just don't know what we're going to get out of West Virginia this year. So it year. seems like you're you're more worried about the 50-50 games instead of just saying these. I'm going through and saying winnable, 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 sure. winnable. Lots of winnable more games. concerned about That's that. That's fair. Uh, I, I think the, the trip to Texas Tech historically has been one that's kind of tough. I think Kansas State historically plays West Virginia tough. So I'm just not – I'm not there with them like you are. Uh, Kansas State is a more interesting uh, team – for me, A, because just I really like Chris Kleiman and I trust him a lot. Uh, you mentioned the, the North Dakota, North Dakota State thing. That's that's a great point. Uh, it is. I mean, I know these FCS games are scheduled way in How advance. How many people are going to see North Dakota and be like, damn, they got the Bison this year? Yeah, no, uh, not the Bison. Uh, North a Dakota, shocking number of people will probably make that enormous mistake. Yes, North Dakota, not very good. <laughs> North Dakota State, very good. Uh, so I, I do think that Kansas State, when you look at their schedule, I do think they could win in Morgantown. I do think they could beat Texas in Manhattan. Uh, I do think they probably beat Kansas. So you're you're sitting there going into the TCU game at, at six and zero. Oh. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a nice call by you. I'm more interested in a different Big Twelve team and, and kind of for a different reason. And this might even be cheating in terms of the the metrics we've laid out for this conversation. But there is a team. They have a big, splashy game early that they, I think they can win. I think this is a team that's going to generate a lot of media attention very early on. 
And it is a team, Andrew, that you really love to cheer for and you're a big fan of their coach. Do you have any guesses? They don't fit the bill of this conversation. Though. No, they don't. So why are we even... Are You logged into our little podcasting service here with the name Tom Herman, so that was foreshadowing what you're attempting to do. Yes. They don't fit... I, I, I see all of the points that you're about to make. I know exactly what you're going to say, and I don't even, I'm not even going to debate them, but in this conversation... They don't. I mean, where are they ranked preseason right now? Anywhere between what, like I'm going to guess eighteen. <laughs> yeah, twelve and twenty. We'll say. I don't think that 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 counts because when you're sitting there saying that they're the arguably the second best team in the conference, I think it's Oklahoma State, and it's not even that close. But when I you're agree. sitting here saying that Texas is the second best team in a in a good conference, I, I'm not sure what the bottom of the Big Twelve is going to look like this year, but the top half of the Big Twelve will still be strong like it is every year. I don't think that they fit this conversation at all i don't think they like i said i don't think they fit the metrics that we have set up but if you want to just if, if you want to cherry pick some points here we're talking about teams that we don't think are true playoff contenders but sort of have a a, a sneaky path into the discussion lsu people are still going to be really high on i think they're going to beat lsu and it doesn't take much to get everybody riled up about texas so I don't know how long they're going to be undefeated. I think that the trip to Kansas State probably presents pretty big challenges for them. Oklahoma is obviously a big test every year, uh, but they've played Oklahoma pretty close the last few years despite a pretty big talent gap. So I, I think they at least merit a bullet point. I, like you, take Oklahoma State much more seriously as the number two in the Big 12. Uh, I, I am I, I'm a really big fan of what they're bringing back. Uh, I think when you look at the consistency of the program, it has a very high floor. And, you know, every few years they kind of put a team up there that can go after 10 wins and make a big national splash. So I think it could be one of those those years for them. And I, I think you probably agree with me. Okay, I don't I don't know why we're talking Texas here because they don't fit this conversation. But since you brought them up. So again, look at their schedule here. USF, LSU, UTEP, Kansas State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Baylor. I think that the playoff rankings will come out the week before they go to Kansas, which would be their fourth-to-last game of the season. They end with at Kansas, TCU at home, Iowa State at home, at Oklahoma State. So I think the playoff rankings will come out before that eighth game of the excuse me, before the ninth game of the season. So they'll play those eight games. Is there a better chance that Texas is 8-0, again, USF, LSU, UTEP, Kansas State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Baylor, is there a better chance that Texas is 8 and 0 or 5 and 3? And I'm looking at 5 and 3, I think they lose at LSU, I think they lose at Kansas State, and I think they lose against Oklahoma, and that still gives me a little bit of wiggle room with West Virginia, Texas Tech and Baylor all losable games in my opinion. I was going to say I think they could beat LSU, Kansas State and Oklahoma and still be 5 and 3. What's more likely? <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, if you're going to bounce that, okay, fine, sure, four five and, and three. Fine, four and four, eight and no. I'll give you another one. Yeah, probably probably four and four. You're probably right. Yeah. I, I just can... think the, the hype around them, because I, I, I do feel pretty strongly that they're going to beat LSU, and I do think after that it's going to be at least one week. I don't know how long it's going to last, but we're going to have one week of, you know it's coming, Texas is back, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it, you can see it from a mile away. So I, I, I get that they don't play by the rules of our game, but it's coming. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
So I got you five and three to take that. I got you to take four and four over eight and zero. How far can I get you to go down and say it's more likely that they're three and five than? Eight? I think four and four is the bottom. I, I don't look. I know we love to shit on Texas on this podcast and with good reason, but I I I don't see this team being three and five. I mean, that, I that think seems... that's literally impossible that they'll be eight and zero. My opinion: there is zero percent chance that Texas will be eight and zero. There is not a zero percent chance that Texas will be three and five. That's where I'm coming from here. Again, you could lose very very easily. LSU, Kansas State, Oklahoma, that's three. You could be sitting here two and three without a Power 5 win entering the West Virginia game, and then you still have West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Baylor. And honestly, I'm not saying this kidding. They have historically struggled with Kansas. We saw it again last year, and then you're at Kansas on November 7th. I would take three and five over eight and no, and I wouldn't even think about it. I think they're too talented to be three and five. Tell me that you would take three and five over eight and no, because I know that you would as a betting man. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I, I think that's a false dichotomy. I don't think I would take either one. You have to take one. You brought this up. <laughs> this is this is your. No, fault. I tried to. I tried to transition no, you, you over to you Oklahoma State, and you Texas came back down to my Texas. goddamn throat here. You shoved him down my throat, knowing <laughs> what it would do to me, and you got what you wanted. Now I am asking you, Chase Kitty. What's the most you you said a couple of weeks ago or last week maybe on the hundredth episode that the most you've ever lost on a bet was about eighty five hundred dollars on the whole Illinois, Illinois State, State debacle. Thank you. Eighty five hundred dollars here. You have to put it down on three and five or eight and zero. Oh. Which side are you taking? There's too many good teams on their schedule. You'd have to take three and five. I feel so much better, and I'm really glad you brought it up. I tried to give you Oklahoma State transition. You didn't want it, so I don't know. What, what Can I push now? you to two and six? I don't think so. No, there, that's the line. Well, <laughs> well, see, three minutes ago you told me that the line was four and four, and I just got you to go to three and five. So I'm feeling pretty good right, right. now. Right in this in this world where I have to choose one, but I don't. But I don't know why I would have to choose. Okay, one. let me paint you a picture. Right, please. I love they painting. Beat UCF in the opener by seven. A really really bad UCF or excuse me USF team in the opener by seven. Charlie Strong LSU, revenge game. Sorry? Charlie Strong Revenge game? Exactly. I wish he was still there. That would have been a hell of a lot more fun. They go to LSU and lose by three touchdowns. They beat UTEP however much you want, 21-28. They lose at Kansas State. They lose to Oklahoma. They lose to West Virginia at home. Tom Herman's gone after that game. Okay? So you're They're saying two- my Mountaineers are going to get Tom Herman fired. This is Yep. Yep, this is this, this this is a scenario that you forced me into. They're two and four. I cannot believe we're wasting this much time on Texas. I can't. They're two her. and four, and now all of a sudden you're going to Lubbock, where weird things happen. Okay, and then you still have Baylor at home. I don't care that Baylor lost Matt Rule. They still have a ton of talent there. Two and six is more likely than eight. No, tell me I'm wrong. Here's what I'll say. I'm not wrong. When you drive into Lubbock, do you think they have the slogan "Weird things happen here" under "Welcome to Lubbock"? Am I absurd for wanting to go to Lubbock? It's one of those places I really want to go to a football game. No, it just—I've I've driven through West Texas a little bit. It's—it's it's different, <laughs> and I would love to go do that. We're talking Friday Night take, Lights different. It, it's just a—it's a—it's a different deal. Two and six is more likely than eight and zero. Come on now, tell me I'm wrong. I, I'm telling you, you're wrong. 
You don't believe that at all. I do. I think you've gone off seven minutes on Texas when I wasn't even. When you said (laughs) you had another Big Twelve team for me, it was Oklahoma State. (laughs) Oh, it was Oklahoma State. Yes, I was trying to get you there. But that still doesn't fit it. I have Oklahoma State right now. I haven't finished my rankings number nine. How on earth do they fit that? Now I'm even more. Do you have any other teams on your list? They fit because the, no, Oklahoma they is they're a in, They're in that missile. fringe playoff conversation right now. It's so easy to see their path and see their talent. I don't right? think anybody not on this podcast is, is talking about them a lot. Like, not a lot. I'm going to do a little homework and see what the pulse is on Oklahoma State. I'm, I would guess that most are in like that 15 to 20 range, which I think is high. I mentioned in the open, this can't be like, well, if Wisconsin wins this game, and Oklahoma State kind of feels like they're in that spot where Wisconsin most years is the second best team in the Big Ten. And if they win this game, well, yeah, maybe if they go to Columbus and win, maybe if they go to Ann Arbor and win, that's what Oklahoma State feels like. They feel like this year's Wisconsin in the Big 12. And you have a very, very, very favorable schedule of getting there. You win at Oklahoma, and that's basically it. That's why I don't feel like Oklahoma State fits this discussion. Season win total for West Virginia football in 2020. What do you think it is? You have what it is. I do. Five and a half. It is five and a half. Give me the over on that comfortably. Yeah. You're you're beating Eastern Michigan, Maryland, Kansas, wow. I don't know. I just talked about West Virginia being in the playoff conversation, but I don't even know if I'd feel that comfortable about saying West Virginia is definitely going to win six games. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think they I, beat. I, was... I think they and I think they beat Florida State. But I, the, the auto wins, I think, are Eastern Kentucky. I think Maryland is an auto win. I don't know if you're all the way there yet. Kansas is the auto win, and that's it. They could lose their final four games. They probably won't be favored in their final four games. Yeah, I mean, if they go one and three in those last four games, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State, one and three is a win. That's got to be a stay away for you, isn't it, at five and a half? No, I'll take it because I think they're being slightly undervalued, but I don't feel great about it. And the only reason I'd really take it is because it's plus odds. It's You're getting good What's Oklahoma State's? It's got to be eight and a half. It cannot be lower than that. What is Oklahoma State? That's a great question, and I just exited out of it on accident. So, you'll never know. It cannot be lower than 8.5. I mean, you talk about auto wins, there's not many in the Big 12. We have Oregon State, Tulsa, Western Illinois. They're starting 3-0. and They're going to win in Lawrence. They're going to beat Texas Tech at home. They're going to beat West Virginia at home. Now I'm up to 6. I need to find 3 more. I feel very comfortably finding 3 more against Iowa State, TCU, Baylor, Kansas State, and Texas. Yeah, it's eight and a half. Do you have any more teams for our conversation here, or do you just want to take this off to a different spot because you you started to do that? I just think Tom Herman's a great coach. No other teams fit this bill. I go, was surprised you mentioned horns. a G5. I, I, I just assumed that you would be all P5. Yeah, I think Cincinnati's going to – I think they fit the bill. I, I think they fit what we're talking about. I've never asked you this straight up before. Do you think that a G5 team could make the 14 playoff hypothetically, or are you in the camp of it'll never happen? The stars will never align. It'll never happen. I think generally speaking, I'm in the camp that it's never going to happen, but how do you, I mean, how does coronavirus affect all of this? 
I mean, that's not an unreasonable question when you're talking about unlikely playoff teams. If ever there was going to be a year where metaphorically some sort of asteroid falls out of the sky and, and knocks teams out, I mean, that's it could be this year. So you're saying we're going to see more upsets. We're going to see a 2000, I mean, 2007 is the extreme here, but we have a better chance of seeing some of these teams, a conference champion finish with two losses. We have a better chance of seeing Ohio State be 12-1 and versus 13-0. and We have a better chance of seeing the Pac-12 beat up on each other. Their conference champ is 11-2. and Yeah, I mean, what happens when the Clemson offensive line misses back-to-back weeks? That's a That could happen. That's not crazy. No, I mean even we're we're looking at the the Oklahoma or uh, it was either Oklahoma State or Alabama. I think they both had five players test positive, and the article in both cases noted that I can't remember which team it was, but it, it happened. They tested and then they went out and had a voluntary workout. It wasn't even through the school. Fifty guys went out and had a workout, and then the next day, five of them came back positive. And as the article noted, that technically those fifty guys should be under quarantine now. That's fifty guys. Yeah. Are we going to see forfeits? How do you determine whose rules you're playing by? You playing by the conference's rules? You playing by the home team's rules? Can you reschedule stuff? Can you try to play it again at the end of the year? What's, that's why I, that's how why I kind of wanted to you know, talk about this, and that's why I had Steven on last week, because this isn't like a disrespect thing at all. I'm, I just really want to talk about football. I've spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks just diving into more teams because it's not that I don't care about the virus at all. I'm not saying that whatsoever. It's just I really want to talk about football, and I think we're trying to do that here instead of just playing these hype. We could sit here, and we probably are going to have a hot seat episode at some point this summer and say, how does this affect the hot seat? Who is on it? What team might kind of take the college basketball approach and say, well, you know, he's kind of on the line here because of this. We're going to hang on to him. He didn't have a full offseason. Like, I still want to do that. But I, I got to a point a few weeks ago where I just I didn't want to do that for a couple of weeks, and I really wanted to talk about football, talk about the scheduling a little bit, because you, you ask a lot of really good questions. I don't know the answer to any of those. No. So I don't even know where that discussion would even go. No. Well, that was fun. Yeah, and we could, we could sit here and, and kick it around forever. But, but, yeah, like you said, we, we don't know, so let's focus on the stuff that we do know. Texas will start 2-6. and six. They will not start 8-0. And I will be back here on the High Motor Podcast in December to gloat about that. How many Texas players do you think will win the Heisman this year? Over, under, zero and a half? I think at least four. Maybe more. All right. Thanks for checking out the High Motor Podcast. We're on Twitter, at High Motor Pod. On Instagram, at High Motor Pod. I'll be back on Thursday morning with a guest, and then Chase and I will be back next weekend not talking about Texas because we always talk about how we're not going to talk about Texas, not going to talk about Nebraska, and yet we always end up talking about Texas. Thanks for dropping by the High Motor Podcast. Go Longhorns. Country roads, take me home to the place.